Well, thank you everybody for, for your part in the service. Tim, uh, thank you for the announcement. We do want to just acknowledge uh, how grateful we are for Pastor Russ's uh, 27 years of service here. And uh, it's been, been wonderful and we'll have a, the opportunity to celebrate with him. And I just wanna add something to your announcement because last time you made an announcement about, about looking to, to bring on another pastor here, several people asked, am I leaving? I'm not leaving, I'm here. So just, just for clarity there, okay. Uh, so I'm so excited today to be able to, to come and talk to you, uh, to be back in the Gospel of John. The last three weeks, Greg have, uh, preached on, on cultural relevance and he handled the, world, the word beautifully and brought to us compelling messages about being involved in our culture, and I'm so grateful for that time. So today we come back to uh, the Gospel of John, and we are in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, this is in the middle of what's called the Olivet Discourse. So these five chapters, John 13 to 17, is the night before Jesus is crucified. He's alone with his disciples, and he's talking to them. And so what, what's happening here in this Olivet Discourse is the Holy Spirit sort of pulls back the curtain and allows us to look in and see what is most important on Jesus' heart on this last night before he is crucified, before he leaves his disciples. What's the pressing message that he has for them? And that's what we get to see here in John chapter 15. In this chapter, we have the final I am statement of Jesus, where he declares, I am the true vine. This is the seventh of the I am statements in the Gospel of John. And this chapter is known as the abide chapter because so much of it is talking about abiding. And I'm just wondering, has anybody heard a message or studied this or been in a lesson on this abide chapter? Yeah, you know, I was so really surprised. I don't have to leave. Uh, in the first service, you know, hardly a hand went up. If a lot of hands went up, I thought, okay, well, you guys got this. I'll just, I'll just leave. But I won't leave. I'm here. You're stuck too. So that's, that's a good thing. If I were to uh, give this message in 10 seconds, this would be the message. If you abide in Christ, you will bear fruit. And you cannot bear fruit unless you abide in Christ but I have more than 10 seconds, I have 30 minutes that I have to fill, and you're stuck here with me now. Are you ready? All right, all right, we're gonna study together. Open up God's word to John chapter 15, and you can follow along as I read. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself but must remain in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown away like a branch and dries up, and they gather them and throw them in the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me, 
and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that a person will lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends because all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. That's our passage for today. Let's pray before we we start working on this. Lord, thank you for your words. Your words bring life. Your words bring fruit into our lives. Oh Lord, we ask that today as we come to your word, you would show us exactly what you have for each one of us. Tailor, tailor the, what's heard so that you're speaking specifically to every one of us in this room and listening online. Lord, use your word to clean us, to prune us. And it's in the name of Jesus who spoke all of these words. Amen. Uh, so we begin with this great I am statement that, start, that starts this, this chapter. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser or the gar- gardener. Now, this concept of vineyard or, or grapevine is, has been long in the history of the Old Testament. Israel was known as the vineyard. Israel is the vineyard. To be God's people was to be planted in Israel, in that nation. The Old Testament is full of references about Israel being the vineyard, and in fact, just prior to this message, you heard the three men read places where God was reprimanding Israel because they did not fulfill their job as the vineyard. They instead became a wild vine, and they bore corrupt fruit rather than good fruit. And all of that fruit, that corrupt fruit, was evidence of their failure to be the vine that God wanted them to be. And Jesus himself, even just just, uh, months before this, told the very poignant parable where he, he talked about Israel as the vineyard, and he said, and, and God, the father, the, the gardener, sent prophets, sent, sent servants to, to minister in the vineyard. And each of those servants were persecuted. And eventually, the, God wanted so much to reach the vineyard that he would send his own son. But the workers of the vineyard killed his son as well. Here, on this night before Jesus goes to his crucifixion, he changes all that. 
He takes a departure and he says, Israel is no longer the vine. Rather, I am the vine. I am the true vine. Israel has never been a true vine. Israel has been a false vine. They've been wild. And we see God, that from this point on, God says, there is a vineyard and there's one vine in that vineyard and that vineyard is my son Jesus. And Israel and you and I are now judged on how we are adhering to the vine, to Jesus. Rather than being planted in Israel, our, what we are judged on is how we are holding on to the vine. Jesus is the true vine and we are the branches. Each branch is evaluated by the way we are abiding in that vine. We see this in verse two where he says, every branch in me does not bear fruit. I'm sorry, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. So we see there are two kinds of people. There are those who are not bearing fruit, and then there are those who are bearing fruit. Those who are not bearing fruit, God removes. And how vivid this must have been for the disciples. Remember, there's only 11 of them right now because Judas, the 12th, was, was revealed as the betrayer just prior to Jesus talking about this. And Judas was removed. He was removed from their presence, right, because he's going now to report Jesus' location to the religious leaders so that they would come and arrest him. But Jesus was all, or Judas was also removed as, as one who appeared to be following Christ. He was not a fruit bearer, right? Judas, Judas was a betrayer. He looked like a disciple. He heard Jesus' teachings. He followed Jesus. He even obeyed Jesus. But he was never connected to Jesus. He was never connected to the vine, that life-giving source and so he was a false disciple all along. And he was this branch that did not bear fruit. And we move on in verse six. And we see that if anyone does not remain in me. So now we're not just about Judas here. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown away like a branch and dries up. And they gather them and they throw them into the fire and they are burned. They are burned. I want to talk real quickly about this word remain or many of your translations will say abide. The Greek word here is to stand fixed, to stay in place, to, to not move, to be secured and hold fast to where you are. It has both the sense of resting in place and also working at resting in place, being determined that I will not move. So it's both resting and determination to rest and stay secure in one place. It, as I think about this, I think about the image of, of a person who is in a flood and the flood waters are coming up and they're, they're rushing and the house is getting covered and, and this person climbs up on the roof and the flood waters continue to rise and they're, they're rushing now around his ankles and he's holding on to the chimney. He sees out there, there's a helicopter, a rescue is coming, it's on the way. 
but he's tempted. You know, I could, I could get off. I could try to swim for safety over there, but the, tur- the, the current is too, f- too forceful, and he hangs onto that chimney. He is secure. He is holding on with all his might, but he is not moving anywhere. He is steadfast. That's what abiding is. That's what remaining is. I wish we had an English word to really show this. Uh, if the English word remain sounds like, well, like it's passive, like you're just sitting there doing nothing, right? And abide, we kind of have like a different, different meaning in abide nowadays. Most of the time it's, I can no longer abide that, right? We can't stand it anymore, right? We can't be patient with it. This is talking about clinging. This is talking about holding on, grasping with all your might and not letting go, staying connected with deep roots. That's this word. That's this word that we are talking about here. Verse six says, anyone, anyone who does not remain, he is thrown away like a branch who dries up. This is rich imagery again. The disciples are surrounded with grapevines. There are grapevines everywhere. They know that the wood of a grapevine is worthless unless it's bearing fruit. If a, if a piece of, if a branch is not bearing fruit, it gets cut off. They can't use that wood for building. It's no good for building. It's no good for anything else. All they can do with grapevine wood is burn it. And so they understand very clearly here what Jesus is talking about. Now when we talk about abiding and remaining, it sounds like work, doesn't it? It Sounds like we have to do something. And we get a little squirmy about that. We're a church that preaches grace. We preach that you are saved by God's work only, that I can absolutely do nothing to earn God's favor. I can do nothing to earn salvation. Anything I have regarding salvation, regarding a gift from God, is by his generous grace to me. There's nothing I can do. I can't do enough works. I can't pray enough. I can't come to enough church services. There's nothing I can do to earn God's grace. It's only by him. And all of that is true. But believer, you and I must cling. We must hold tight. We must work at that. We have to work at that. We cannot go through the Christian life. We cannot go through the Christian life in automatic or in neutral. We can't cruise through this life. If you cruise through this life, you will never be a fruit bearer. The only way to bear fruit is to abide, to hold on, to stay connected. Stay connected. Growth and discipleship is not just a matter of acknowledging who Jesus is. That's salvation. But growth and discipleship comes about when we cling, when we hold on with all our might and don't let go of Jesus. He's the only way. Well, this brings us to our second group of people that the passage is talking about. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now, this is saying 
that if you're a fruit bearer, Jesus is going to prune you even more. He does prune us. And this word prune is in a a tense that we call, like it's a continuous tense. It's a progressive tense. So what it's really saying is every branch that does bear fruit, he continuously prunes. And that word in the second part of that verse, you are already clean, is really from the same root. So we could read this. Every branch that does bear fruit, he continually prunes and cleans so that it will be it will bear even more fruit. And you are already pruned or cleaned because of the word I have spoken to you. You know, pruning hurts, right? Pruning is cutting. When you're pruning any kind of a plant, you're cutting off, you're cutting off. And and we don't like this, but Jesus has one goal. His goal is that you and I should bear more fruit. So we're always in the process of learning that, and he is always in the process of pruning us so that we would bear one fruit. He has more fruit. He has one mission, and that is to make us more fruitful in our lives. And I don't like this. You know, this is how this goes. The Lord says, John, you know that thing over here? Yeah, I wanna get rid of that. We're gonna, we're gonna take that away now. It's time to let go of that. No, I hate this pruning business. It just hurts so much. Don't do it now. No, John, I need to do this. This is for your good. Oh, I'm not ready. Don't, don't do it yet. Don't do it yet. You can do it sometime, but not yet. No, John, I'm gonna do this because if I do this, you will bear more fruit. And isn't that what you want? Well, yeah, but I just hate to let go. John, if you let go of that, you can hold on to me more. Isn't that what you want? Yes, I do want that. In my good moments, I want that. Do you want that? You want to hold on to Jesus more? Then we have to allow him to do the pruning. He is the master gardener. Let him do that. Let him prune so that we can hold on more tightly to him. You know, the beautiful thing about this is that he is with us through this whole thing. It says, remain in me and I in you. You see, there's a double abiding here. It's not just I'm abiding in him. He is also abiding in me. Some of your translations actually read, it sounds like it's conditional, like if you remain in me, I will remain in you. And that's not how it reads. It's just statements, and it's two statements that you and I have to work at. Remain in me, I in you. That's it. There's a double abiding. We're never alone. Jesus is always with us. He, just as I hold fast to him, he holds fast to me. Can you picture that? Can you picture Jesus in your life holding fast to you? Not letting go, saying, I'm going to cut, but I'm holding on. I'm cutting. We're letting that go, but I'm holding on to you. That's what he does. That's how Jesus works in our life. And he goes on to say, he says, just as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, but must remain in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. Just in case you forgot, I am the vine, you are the branches, he says. Let me remind you of that. Who's who? I am the vine, you are the branches, and the one who remains in me and I in him, that double abiding again, bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. People, hear this. 
Fruit bearing is the test of a life-giving attachment to Jesus. And fruitlessness is the outcome of a poor attachment to Jesus. So can we take a moment now and, and look at what some of this fruit is? What is he looking for in our lives? How can we evaluate, if it is the test, how do we evaluate whether we're really holding on to Jesus? Well, the first thing is love. In verse 12, he says, love one another as I have loved you. In verse nine, he says, I have loved you the way the Father has loved me. People, that's a lot of love, (laughs) right? Now, I'm supposed to love you with that kind of love. You're supposed to love me with that kind of love. I don't always make it easy for you, do you? Do I? And I tell you, you don't always make it easy for me either, right? Right? But that's not the issue. He's not saying love when it's easy. How, How did he describe his love in here? He said, this is love that a person lays down his life for his friends. That's how I'm supposed to love you. That's how you're supposed to love one another, with God's love. And if this kind of love is not growing in you, then you have to question your attachment to the vine. And love, of course, we know, is just the first of the fruit of the Spirit. So what other fruit are we supposed to be seeing growing in our lives? Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, these are to be growing in us. These are characteristics. This is the fruit of the Spirit. If the Spirit is in you and you are clinging to that vine, you are going to see this fruit in your life. If your life is marked by impatience, or by harshness, or by a lack of self-control, then you gotta question, how hard am I, am I abiding? How hard am I clinging to that life-giving vine? Because he says, if I'm connected to the vine, I will bear fruit, and more fruit, and more fruit. He's looking for increasing fruit. These characteristics need to be growing in our lives, and they are an indication of our connection to Jesus, the life giver. Also, we have the fruit of praise. says in Romans, through him then let's continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips praising his name. A sacrifice of praise to God is the fruit of lips praising his name. If your life is marked by complaining and criticism and not praising, if what comes out of your mouth is more of that and less of praising, then go look at your grip. Take a look at your grip. Now, I'm not talking about personality, yes, can't even say the word, personality types, right? I get it that some people are just naturally more positive, some are more negative. You know, for some people, when they meet somebody, that person they meet is at 100%. For some people, they meet somebody, that person's at zero and has to work his way up, right? And, And that's just personality types, but personality types are not exempt from the standard of God's word. And the standard of God's word is that you and I are to be increasing in praise, Not just praise to God, but praise to one another. And again, we must look at our lives. 
If we are, if we are marked by continual complaining, continual criticism, then we gotta look hard at the way we are holding on to Jesus. Another fruit that he is looking for, I'm not going to read all this, but this is a passage that talks about, about giving financially. Giving financially should be increasing in our lives as we grow in the Lord, if we are abiding in Christ. Now, here's how this works. My money isn't mine. It's God's, right? Your money doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. And he calls us, the New Testament calling for us to give is not a tithe, not 10%, but is with generosity, and sacrificially, and sacrificially, that means we feel the loss. We actually give to the point of feeling loss. Now, this is why this is important, because if I decide I'm going to help somebody in need and give sacrificially to them, give money that I could spend on myself on some pretty good things, but I decide I'm gonna give that money to somebody who is in need, then all of a sudden, I am showing love. I'm showing that I love you more than I love myself. And I'm also showing that, God, I need the faith because I'm giving this money and I am abiding, I'm holding on. I've gotta hold on tighter to you because I have less now. Same thing, if I, if I give to a gospel-centered organization, a church or a ministry that is gospel-centered, and I give sacrificially so that I feel that, well then, it's the same thing I'm saying to God, I'm prioritizing the gospel over my own needs, over my own life. There's a lot I could do with that money. I could think of way more things to buy. But I'm prioritizing the gospel. And I'm saying, Lord, I will have the faith to give here because if I prioritize the gospel, I know I'm in your hands. I'll just cling tighter to you because I've got nowhere else to go. The fruit of giving should be increasing in our lives. Finally, the fruit of making disciples. This is from Romans. Paul says to them, I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far so that I may obtain some fruit among you also just as among the rest of the Gentiles. Paul was looking to be with them so that he could bear fruit, in other words, have people come to the Lord because of his message. Wouldn't you like to bear that kind of fruit? Wouldn't you like to be characterized as a person who is bringing people to the Lord? I mean, we're all on this, this continuum, right? We all go this way. We go from being an unbeliever to being a believer, and then as we grow in that continuum, we grow, grow, grow to become fruit bearers. One of the fruits that the Holy Spirit is looking for in our lives is that we are used in people's lives to scoot them along, help them along, provide what they need along the way in order to grow and become more and more like Christ and become fruit bearers themselves. That's the kind of fruit. That's good stuff, right? Do you want that in your life? I want that. I want my life to be known. I want to be known as a patient man. I want to be known as a man who is building disciples. I want to be known as a man who is generous and who gave sacrificially. These are really important, important aspects that we need to, to have. I, and I, I just want to make this clear. Please don't come away from today and say, 
gee, I have to do something. I have to, I have to do more. I have to give more. I have to become more patient. This isn't the call today. The call today is to hold on tighter, not to go and do something else, but to hold on tighter to Jesus. He is the life source. And if we hold on tighter and we cling tighter to that, then all of these other things are gonna start, start bubbling up and just become, they'll blossom and become fruit. And if that fruit's not good enough to convince you, look at what the rest of this passage says. This is amazing. Jesus says, if you abide or remain or cling or hold on to me, then verse four says, I will remain in you. Verse four also says that Jesus becomes our source of life. Verse seven says that Christ's words will remain in us. Verse seven also says that we will, be, uh, we will have answered prayer. Anybody want their prayers answered today? Yeah, I want my prayers answered. How do we do that? Well, we don't pray harder necessarily for the item we're praying for. We cling to Jesus. And let me just make clear, this isn't, Lord, I wanna be a millionaire, right? Because when we're clinging to Jesus, the more we cling, the more we pray the right things. We will bring glory to God We'll become an example to others who follow Christ. We will be assured of his love. This is amazing. We can obey Jesus the way he obeyed his father. Wow, I'd like to do that. All right? How do I do that? Not by trying harder, by sitting tighter, grabbing tighter on the vine. Jesus says he gives us his joy, not the joy of the world, but his joy, and that he will make our joy complete. I want complete joy. Jesus elevates us to be friends. He says you're no longer slaves, you are friends, and in so doing, he communicates everything he received from the Father to us. If you want some of that in your life, then you're gonna get that by abiding in the vine the true vine. The condition for all of that is that we would abide in the vine. Now I know, I I would guess that probably everybody in this room and many of you online would say right now, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But I'm not sure that everybody here or watching online is abiding in Jesus. And that is a real heart concern for me. We can believe all the right things. That's correct doctrine. We can do all the right things. That's correct ethics. But Jesus wants so much more than that. That is just the surface. Jesus wants your heart. He wants your heart. He wants your passion. He wants your intimacy. He wants your affection. How do we hold on to the vine? We spend time in the word. Don't just read what other people say about it. Get in the word. Grapple with it. When it's difficult, spend more time. Be blessed by the word. Spend time in the word. Spend time praying. Don't just... Don't just pray about the things you need, but use that time to relate to the Lord. 
You know, I, I, I have found myself recently, I'm in the Word. I'm studying for Bible studies. I'm studying for sermons. I'm doing all, I'm in the Word a lot. But I've kind of gotten into a habit where I'm not really connecting with Jesus, saying, Jesus, what are you doing in me? How, how are you pruning me today? What, what do you want to do in me today? How can you use me today? I'm just sort of going through the motions, but not having that relationship the way I want it and the way he wants it. I've loosened my grip just a little bit. I want to hold tighter. I want to hang on to that vine and not, not let go. Not let go. So the call for us today is to increase your grip. Don't do anything else. Increase your grip. And I mean, think about it, Christian. Think, think about this. If you're a Christian and you have a loose grip on the vine, well, your life is not producing the fruit the way it should, right? And we're not happy about that. And on the other side of that coin is you can't even go and sin and have a good time because you know just enough to say, well, that ain't gonna be fun or that's gonna be bad for me. So you can't even sin and have fun. So you're stuck in this place of, of what? I mean, why be stuck there? Abide, hold on tight to Jesus. Increase that grip and watch the fruit. Watch the blossoms come and watch those blossoms turn into fruit, the fruit of praise, the fruit of discipleship the fruit of love. Watch it happen. So we started out with a 10-second sermon. You did well for the 30 minutes, though. I'll tell you what. I hope I stayed within 30 minutes. I'm not sure. We started out by saying, if you abide in Christ, you will bear fruit. And you cannot bear fruit unless you abide in Christ. And so the question that you and I really need to sit and ask the Lord today is, Lord, do you see in me the fruit you are looking for? Do you see in me the fruit you are looking for? If you don't see that, then the answer for you is abide. Hold on still tighter. Sit firmer. Stay attached. If the answer is, Lord, do you see in me the fruit you are looking for? And the answer is yes, the answer is still abide. Sit tighter. Hold firmer. Don't let go because the Lord is on a mission to make you bear more fruit. Please, want to bear more fruit. We're gonna end today, I'm not going to pray. Rather, there's gonna just be a time for you to silently pray to the Lord and ask this question of the Lord right now and listen for his answer. Look at your own life. Answer the question yourself. Are you abiding? Are you holding fast? After that time of silence, the worship team will come up and lead us in a closing song. Would you pray now, please?